you will need a dozen teams of hunter-killers spread out and placed all along each possible route, coordinated by a central command center, each with an incentive to be the unit that finds and kills the target. Not company men, of course. Too many chances for comebacks on Laurent Group. Not local talent, either. Local boys would be known to local police, and that would compromise the hunt. No, we need foreign operators from parts unknown, as you Americans like to say. Hard men, void from legal, if you get my meaning. Hard men who do hard jobs when no other solution can be found. The gray man, he's either dodged or dispatched every gang of hiring hitmen sent after him in the past. No, to be certain, we need established field units. Government hit teams. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We are recording this on uh, July 24th, 2022, and we are discussing The Gray Man. With me to talk about the adaptation is the future Tag Heuer owner, polo sweater admirer, and the 42 regular himself, Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people, E. Hello. I would like to say that I am indeed a 42 regular, and I do love sweater polo so if anyone uh has my name for christmas or my birthday i don't know you know sweater polo size 42 regular be great although i know it's a suit size and not a <laughs> polo size i'm sure they can do the measurements to figure out what that would equal equal out to probably like a medium large yeah well i think to make it look better you get, you get like a medium maybe you know, a marge yeah or a marge a medium yeah so yeah I didn't know. So I guess a medium would be a small medium, but a, a Marge would be a medium large. Yeah. I didn't know that. Did you make, just make that up? No, that's, that's uh, a thing. Those are official things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you and welcome. And if you have any um, gifts you want to send our way, we will take polo sweaters or tech warriors. Yeah. You don't Gladly. wear a watch, do you? No, I tried to actually. So I have a fossil watch. Shout out fossil. Uh, big support of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it died. So the battery died because I haven't worn it in like probably over nine months or something so i have to take it to a uh watch watch shop shop. yeah but i thought it was one of the watches where if you just shake it you know it's like you know the the battery sort of like um i'm gonna sound really stupid this is news (laughs) to me i don't know you shake your watch not shake it but like you know like if when you're walking your arm is arms are swaying by the side and that essentially like sort of gets the battery going i don't know where you've been getting your news (laughs) from but Am I just making this up? I don't know. I've never heard that. I just throw my watches away it's, when their battery dies. It's called science, dude. Just look it up. All right. Um, but yeah, so we are here to talk about The Gray Man. Came out on Netflix last Friday um, and came out in, th- in some select theaters uh, the week before that. But don't be fooled. This is a Netflix movie, uh, people. So just some fast facts for you. The book was written by Mark Greeny, published in 2009. Um, is a series of 11 books, actually, the Gray Man series, uh, at least 11 books so far. Uh, not sure if they're going to be plans for more. Uh, has an average rating of 4.13 on Goodreads. Wow, did you do that yourself? Like, did you calculate that yourself? No, because I... I told I, you? Yeah, Goodreads. Like, the average for all 11 is 4.13 or just the first one? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, this book is a 4.13. Oh, got it. No, no. <laughs> this is not the average across books. I was like, shit. Although it might be, because I think a lot of them have above four stars. So. Okay. I was like, that is over and beyond. You put stuff I would into never, Excel? What are you doing? I would never put that much effort into this podcast, please. <laughs> so the movie was released July 15th, like I said, in theaters, and then um, last Friday, July 22nd on Netflix, uh, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, ooh, Anthony and Joe Russo uh, known in the biz 
or the industry as the Russo brothers. Uh, they have directed films, two Captain America films, two Avenger films, um, the film Cherry with Eric's favorite Tom Holland, uh, the TV series Arrested Development, as well as Community with Donald Glover. Um, so quite the uh, resume for those directors there. And the screenplay was written by Joe Russo, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, and the film stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, and Billy Bob Thornton. Rotten Tomatoes, 50% as of this morning, and Metacritic, 49. So, flip a coin. Yeah. Uh, I think the kids would call that mid. <laughs> so, that's my that's my addition to the podcast. We called mid morning. something else back in the day. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so not, not horrible, not great, but... Uh, average (laughs) (laughs) Um, can you give us a quick recap yes uh court gentry aka the gray man is a former cia operative now renowned as the ultimate killer for hire the novel follows court on a mission across europe to rescue his handler uh sir donald fitzroy and his family in normandy france from lloyd a member of a gigantic french corporation and also a former cia officer who wants gentry terminated in order to shepherd a billion-dollar deal for oil interests in Nigeria, where its president in turn wants Gentry dead for the assassination of his brother. I wrote this without any periods. That was a mistake. <laughs> that is a run-on sentence. Do you know what uh, how grammar works? Are you an English major? No, I think after reading The Gray Man, I don't know what grammar <laughs> is anymore. That is a fair assessment. Uh, so, yes, uh, a story about the machinations of power mm-hmm. across... Uh, countries and between corporations and people yep fossil fuels and families you know great. yeah shout out fossil fuels <laughs> shout out, fossil fuels. Big uh, support. Shout out i don't know wet teams yeah. seals there are apparently they're all over the world there's a lot of them there is a lot of them in this book yeah it's sort of a, a rat race situation where mm-hmm. a bunch of different countries wet teams search to kill yeah court gentry anyway that is a that's a little recap of uh the gray man so um, number one Man number one. The, yeah, the first one. So for truce, one lie. We are stepping it up this time. There were too many good trivia facts for this series, you know, this adaptation uh, and book that I just had to throw in. The jumbo version. Yeah. So it's going to be a little more difficult. You're, the odds are not in your favor. A little more difficult this time. So if you had guessed, you would get 33% chance of guessing it right. Now you have a 20% chance. So. I don't know. It's not looking you good for you. got to stop looking at Excel. I don't <laughs> like this. Um, all right. So are you ready? Yeah. Number one, Charlize Theron was at one point set to star as a lead in a gender-swapped role for this film. Number two, the author Mark Greeny was a collaborator with Tom Clancy on his final books. Number three, Chris Evans, which was originally considered for the lead role until he declined to play the villain. Number four, on Chris Evans's first day of filming, he accidentally got hit in the face by Ron Gosling uh, with a prop gun. And then number five, every every character in the film wears Tag Heuer watches due to Ryan Gosling's partnership with the brand. Eric, what are you feeling? Oh my God, this is so many. Uh, the Charlize Theron one is interesting. I could I could definitely see her playing this sort of like hunter killer because she does that in a what the, the movie blonde something whatever she has a movie that came out that's sort of like john wick that's sort of oh, like i this know what talking about mm-hmm. uh you could definitely see this author atomic blonde atomic blonde you could definitely see this guy mark greeny collaborating with tom clancy because the, the book is really like 
military industrial complex forward. And I feel like that's a Tom Clancy sort of vibe as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll earmark that one as a truth. Okay, okay. Chris Evans. So yeah, we can talk about Chris Evans later. He, he, when I was reading this book, I was like, Oh, obviously Chris Evans is the gray man. Like that's, mm. who, he just seems so much more like the gray man than, uh, Ryan Gosling does who feels like an American lawyer working for a large, Parisian company. Interesting. So my mind, I, my mind before I knew what was happening, I was like, "This is perfect for Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. He is a great man." He also accidentally got hit in the face with a large prop gun on the first day of filming. That's tough. Uh, and then every character, I, you know, every character wears tag wire. I feel like this is a, this is like a little sneaky <laughs> paragraph, uh, little bullet point here, just to make me want to choose it. Because we've had so many conversations about Tag Heuer and Rolex and other luxury watch brands mm-hmm. in the past. Um, I mean, everyone in this movie is very stylish. So I'm going to say that's actually true. Okay. So I got Tag Heuer being true. I got Greeny being a collaborator with Tom Clancy. I'm going to say Charlize Theron was at one point set to star. So I'm going to see that's true. So really, it's my Chris Evans questions. He was originally considered for the role until he... Did you mean he decided to play the villain? Yeah, correct. He declined the lead role to play the villain. And then on his first day of filming, he got accidentally hit in the face. I'm going to say that he did... I'm going to say that's the lie. Chris Evans... On Chris Evans' first day of filming, he did not get hit in the face by Ryan Gosling with a prop gun. It was a real gun, and he fucking meant to do it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's I think that's the lie. That's my guess. Um. So despite the odds held against you you are correct wow (laughs) congratulations um so it's a bit backwards so on chris evans's first day of filming um ryan gosling he actually hit ryan gosling in the face oh so it was just a little bit backwards okay um but yeah good sniffing that out you uh you'd analyze each fact or a little you know trivia fact and um whittle it down to to that one that's so, how you get time out of the podcast is you just talk you just talk through it <laughs> so uh the first one charlie Theron was at one point set to star before her though it was actually uh going to be directed by james gray and starring brad pitt who agreed to uh, jump on i think that was in like 2011 interesting um and then she came on dropped and then eventually became um chris evans and ryan gosling and then the author I actually didn't know this but sort of makes sense um was a collaborator with tom clancy he was uh, collaborated on, I think, three of his final books before he died the, of the Jack Ryan series and then sort of continued that series after him. Um, so sort of like a Brandon Sanderson. Uh, what's that? The Oh, what's that big science fiction fantasy um, series? He took it over from somebody famous. Robert Jordan, I think. Oh, Wheel of Time? Wheel of Time. Yes. Thank oh, you. Okay. Um, and then Chris Evans or was originally considered for the lead role. Yep. Until he declined uh, to play the villain mistake. That is, yep. Bummer. You think so? No, he was, he was pretty good. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. And then I already mentioned number four. And then every character in the, in the film actually does wear tag core. It was funny. There was, uh, sort of at the last scene where they're having at the big castle, right? Mm-hmm. There's a frame of, uh, Chris and I didn't notice this, but, uh, Chris Evans kind of is like running and he, puts his arm out and you can see a watch and like it looks like a little like like a you know one of the tech core is known for i think i guess a rectangular i think it's maybe timex but there's like these rectangular watches that are kind of stylish i was like oh i wonder if that's a tech warrior apparently it was interesting so shout out tech warrior shout out tech warrior it's um, a cute cute little watch brand yeah 
Um, so you are going to, we are going to take a quick break. You are going to listen to our break and we are going to be right back. This episode of the Little Ends podcast is brought to you by Audi. Do you need to get away fast? Do you need to outrun both Prague city trolley system and heavily armed Humvees? Did you direct the highest grossing film of all time and therefore have your pick of product placement? Choose Audi, the only automobile designed to outrun what's chasing you. And we are back. Thank you for listening to that ad from our sponsor, Audi. Big supporters of the podcast. Um, if you don't have an Audi, what are you doing? Yeah. Not on the run. You're just like moseying along, living your life. You're getting caught in a lot of chases. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> a fair point. If you don't want to get caught, get yourself an Audi. Um, okay, so we are back. We're going to talk about the book here. Um, so, Eric, first question for you. We're going to step into our little segment here called Pitch Me Daddy. Um, so why adapt something like this in a cinematic form? Is that a working title or what, what is it? No, it's the official. Okay. I just made it official. Okay. Um, here's here's what this is, Well, This is, this movie, this book is John Wick colon wet ops because this is the high-tech military version of John Wick. What you have here is the world's greatest assassin saving out of the goodness of his heart and the North Star mentality of his morality saving his handler and his handler's family just because he's that kind of dude but you know what's in front of him to stop him every single nation's best group of fighters and then also one korean like lone wolf really tactically masterful assassin that's who's stopping him and he has to get this man has to get from geneva (laughs) to normandy in 48 hours Actually, it's further. It's like from the Middle East to Normandy in 48 yeah. hours. And in front of him is the best of the best, except for they're not because he's the, the gray best. man is the best. Yeah. So basically what we've got here is uh, a ex-CIA military man going Super Saiyan, killing all these other masterful assassins to save the people that he loves most in the world. That's your starter kit. That's a starter kit for a fucking badass action movie right there yeah yes it is um you can fill in the blanks how you want but mm-hmm. what i have for you is an incredible premise it's not bad i mean tom clancy films have been successful in the past and there are successful series for similar things like this 24 great, yeah it's great tv series they still make some of all fears tom clancy Netflix. movies uh michael b jordan was just in one that's true that w- for amazon that one didn't do too well but yeah it, that's true um and then i think the jack ryan series with john krasinski is doing well oh like, true still yeah on tv or still yeah being amazon why is this not an amazon movie that's a question because it's got ryan gosling and chris evans that's, that's why yeah you think are you, are you saying they're too good for amazon yes that's okay. exactly what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean i get it we want to start do you want to start a franchise do you want to like make this into a recurring thing sort of like a mission impossible well i have 11 books do you have any writers who are interested in reading 11 books and picking storylines from like uh, the cinematic (laughs) novelistic universe of mark (laughs) greeny because you can maybe there's enough there yeah what what makes this different what makes this different from a tom clancy or different from another like military focused story what makes this one unique I think probably the uh, morality of the main character. That's something that the writer talks about a lot mm-hmm. in this plot. He, um, the gray man, 
is like you know a trained killer but he only kills people he feels are i think it's like extra judicial executions is what he calls Mm -hmm. what he does in the book people that like you know can't be touched by power but can be touched by the red hot barrel of the gray man's like Beretta and AK 47 and many other types of guns that I've never heard of that exist in, in this book. I think, I mean, it, it's sort of like, you know, whatever Robin hood meets John wick, the guy that kills from the rich and powerful the guy that kills the rich and powerful who can't be touched by, you know, the, the laws of the land, but who did break the laws of the land. Of course. Yeah. He's a force for moral good. And his force just happens to be, you know, pretty forceful. Yeah. He's a good assassin. How about that? Okay. He's the good assassin. Here's to $200 million. Thank you. Go make it. I mean, seriously, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, you have this character, it's a movie star part because it's mm-hmm. this like super talented assassin. We already have John Wick that proves we have like things like Jason Bourne too. Right. Yeah. That proves that people want to watch these like ex CIA military forward mm-hmm. guys and girls who go in places where nobody has access to. Yeah, they do the jobs. They get out. No one can touch them. Yeah. They're ghosts. Yeah, People love that stuff. People do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tom Clancy wrote a million books, made a whole career out of it. But this guy wrote 11 books. <laughs> and he wrote some of Tom Clancy's books. Yeah, that's true. He did, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a market for it. Um, I feel like I'm trying to remember, though. I mean, there, there were a few extra Jason Bournes, like, after the trilogy the original trilogy there was one there were sort of with jeremy renner is that it i thought there were a couple i think so okay um and i'm trying to think of other ones that have come out um matt damon did a movie called the green zone yeah similar uh behind enemy enemy lines owen wilson you know oh military man's (laughs) got to fight his way out what a fucking throwback uh gene hackman's in that too yeah i think i mean really to me this is like john wick 2 which is basically like sort of, yeah. the best guy is up against every single person yeah. to get to his objective. And they still can't kill him. Yeah. But like, importantly, he has an objective and it's this sort of like feel good yeah. thing he's trying to do, which is save Easily the lives relatable. of his, yeah. Of his handler and his handler's family. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think, I do think what makes this one different is like the, the aspect of the villain with, uh, this like harvard educated lawyer guy who has like almost no moral compass because he's only driven by ambition right is sort of like this uh picture of an elitist kind of character yeah which i i feel like we may have seen in the past but probably not usually i feel like for james bond at least it's always like some crazy billionaire or like some crazy scientist who like is so you know rich and or powerful that he doesn't care about anything else but really this is just like a really smart really driven person without any moral compass basically yeah yeah just i will say more grounded there are like some failings things that you'd probably have to add i do think that the gray man as a character as a person is kind of like boring or empty or like there's no real personality to, to him and i think like better action movies have more memorable heroes Mm -hmm. than this kind of guy so i think that's probably why you see some of like the sarcasm that the movie has yeah as a as a like personality 
it's a, as a personality that's been washed over the gray man. Mm-hmm. They had to give him something. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I mean, you talk about Lloyd as the ultimate bad guy. Let's talk about him again later. But okay. I think the idea is like, he doesn't really have a nemesis. It's basically just this guy battling against all these teams thrown at him from a guy behind a desk. And so like yeah. you, the guy you're ultimately battling is just behind a desk, the whole story mm-hmm. instead of out in the fields, like fighting against you actively. So, so what, what's your critique of that? Well, he's battling against somebody that's just Not like there. hiding, you know, yeah. I guess that's interesting. That can be interesting, mm-hmm. but in a movie, uh, you know, are you battling against the system or are you battling against one person, you know, an actual like avatar for that kind of thing? Maybe you're battling against both, but you can't be battling against both behind the desk. Cause there's like two, there's two, there's the system. Right. And then there is the, like the, the avatar for that system. Who's either the CIA or like the Laurent group. Mm-hmm. And then there is like the guy that's actually fighting you, mm-hmm. which is Lloyd in both cases. Right. But in the movie's case, Lloyd is actually like a chess piece on the battlefield. Right. Whereas in the book, he's not really on the battle. He just like yells at people. He does sort of just yell at people. Why is he not dead? <laughs> I saw him fall into the yeah, Seine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so. were you were supposed to recover his body. Yeah. Give us his remains. You did not do that. Yeah. So I think if that's going to be your antagonist, we probably need him to do a little bit more than just yell over the phone to, mm-hmm. at people. Yeah. Although that's fun. And we do like, we do like that, but mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a little bit more. That's fair. Um, so what parts of the book were you excited to see adapted? I think uh, at the bare minimum, obviously a good action movie needs to have good action sequences. So one of the things I highlighted when I was reading this book is the uh, like court, the scene, the, se- the sequence when court gets stuck in that like well or just hole when he's trying to get his new passport from the guy who's part of mm-hmm. um, Fitzroy's like, network network mm-hmm. who turns on him puts him in this little well closes the lid and is like the cia is coming to get you now you're in a load of trouble mm-hmm. and he like for whatever reason there's a water pipe in the bottom he opens it up floods himself to the top while he's doing that like makes a bomb puts it on the roof and then when the cia comes in he like detonates it mm-hmm. he comes flying up from the water mm-hmm. hops out like jumps out of a window and it's just a ghost that was pretty sick. I mean, it's like totally unrealistic and wild. Is it sick? Is it sick? Isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think like creative action sequences are I see what you're saying. just like what you need to have for a good action movie. Yeah, yeah. Right? You can't just like pop a cap and every single person whose head pops up like prairie dogs. Like that's yeah. not enough. That's You have to raise the stakes. Or think, just be more creative. I think it has to be, yeah. I think it has to be... I think it has to be like you some there has to be part of it that you just haven't seen before. There has to be mm-hmm. a reason for this to be different. That's fair. And I think like creative ways to to do his job mm-hmm. is sort of like the reason for this to exist. I guess that's an interesting way to look at it. Like if you're the author, you're like you have to think of a scenario that either hasn't like you said like hasn't been done before or the reader's not really familiar with and you have to think okay what is what is a possible solution to this like horrible scenario? He's put in a well. There's like basically no chance of climbing out of a well, right? So how do they, you know, you know? I guess you know, in hindsight, 
luckily there was a water pipe down there right but like the mere mortal of us would never know oh we sh- you should cut it and like fill the thing and then you know detonate it with your your uh ammunition and your your uh your guns right like yeah with the gunpowder excuse me yeah um i just think you have you have this guy who's purportedly like the best mm-hmm. at doing stuff like this so what you can do is just make it impossible for him to succeed and then watch him succeed yeah and i think like the the more creative ways you have to get him down the more creative ways he'll have to use to solve it so okay this i need to i need to get some <laughs> to my chest here this was incredibly tiring and exhausting for me to read oh really because we didn't even get to the question yet did you like it i know but i need to talk about <laughs> this before we proceed um and this is like my whole issue with this whole premise storyline nonsense of like of just being put in just at these outrageously outrageous situations, right? Where he's got no chance of survival and just like throwing these bits and pieces of things and like, Oh, and he escapes and Oh, and he kills this guy and this guy and this guy. Oh, and he, it's miraculous. He does it again. Oh, it's another crazy situation. He does it again. It just never stops. And like, I would never, ever, 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 ever read 11 books of this. <laughs> It's just, it would be the same situation over and over and over and over. Yeah. Oh my God. He almost died, but he didn't. That's miraculous. No, it's fiction. You know what? The whole time his tag Hoyer never stopped taking. (laughs) Like, like what is your, like, what are your thoughts? I guess on my perspective for that. No, I'm, I mean, I think it's very fair. I don't usually read this genre subgenre, but yeah, I mean, 11 books of him just like, well, okay. So this time you have to assassinate this president or yeah. that president. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how you, I don't know how it doesn't become tiresome. I suppose part of it is sort of like James Bond, James mm-hmm. Bondian, in which you just reset after every story. Like, you know, there are some that are linked, but then like, you know, when the six Daniel Craigs are over with the next bond, like that double O, the, the Daniel Craig 007 will have never existed. Yeah. None of those are tied together. Mm-hmm. So really it's just like, everything i don't know so what's like the appeal of this book for people like i was trying to think about it as i was reading and like i could not get through it because i was like i mean i did get through it but i was tough to get through because i'm just thinking like of course he's got to get out of this this is like this is how this goes and it just made immediately made me uninterested i think but i think when i was reading through it i thought people must be interested in like how he gets out of these situations yeah like what are the minute details or things that he notices that other people don't notice which sort of makes him special in a way that like he's smarter right like he can pick out it's like sherlock holmesian in a way yeah right the sherlock holmes of killers like oh this water pipe here like i'm in a well i should just fill it up and this will raise me to the top and then oh i should like throw this gunpowder together and then when they try to get me i can explode it and then walk away you know, scot-free kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I, I guess that part makes sense where like, you're looking for the thing that's going to, that he notices that's going to get him out of the situation. Right? Yeah. I think probably also like the existence of a person like this, like the, the idea that there is somebody that exists in the gray who is deployed by a handler to do these sort of like, jobs that mm. you don't really know that people do them kind of thing and mm-hmm. maybe i don't who knows how real 
people like this are right but the idea that like somebody could somebody is hired to assassinate like a high up individual in a different foreign government Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so like who is that person that does that now i don't think he's terribly interesting he just is sort of a hired killer who's really good at killing and knowing all like how to fight Mm -hmm. and technical combat and all that stuff which is not a personality that's just like training Yeah, yeah yeah you know so I don't know. It, it the idea of him existing is interesting, but I think he as a person as a person like that's not interesting on its surface. Right. It's just like it, it's a thing. Yeah, I mean there's no It's a starter. It's like it's a seed. Yeah. You got to water it. Like oh, that's interesting that he has all these crazy skills and he's considered the best, but like what got, you know, what got him there? Like what drives him? What motivates him? What are his like interesting character, personality traits? And yeah, that's just like sort of not explored. I think maybe that's part of it. Like I could not really relate to this character or even really care. Like why do I care about the Nigerian president like uh, extorting this corporation? It's oil, baby. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I just don't care. And I don't know. And like, okay, sure. He's this gray man. He's got all this expertise. Um, but, you know, does he have a family? Does he have friends? Does he go to see movies like you know like no he doesn't he what doesn't are the relatable that. attributes that i can you know get to and i guess this, that's a difference like this is the this is a type of book that like you're looking for different stuff action yeah. stuff like a uh, constant constantly moving the narrative forward um propulsion not really sitting anywhere yeah propulsion yeah so yeah i, d- I do agree that i think the the part of the book that i so i you know, if you read this as like a brain dead thriller, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I do think that the book wants to be more than that because they have this, the whole, the f- whole framing is this like, you know, he, he, for some reason kills the Nigerian president's brother. I think he was like, he killed some people and now I'm just going to take him out. And then when he does that, he opens himself up to a world of pain. I think it was something like he was a scientist. I could be wrong. And then like he was... I think he might have killed some people on his helicopter that crashed. Something. It's a lot. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But the to me the like international uh, political element of this book didn't work nearly as well as just like I gotta let up, baby. <laughs> I'm coming for you. And like, oh, I'm calling you on my satellite phone. Mm. Hey, Lloyd. <laughs> I'm right behind you. <laughs> yeah. uh, like that stuff. I you know I was like. And yeah. Lloyd and Lloyd tried to play it cool, but he had to look behind just to make sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that stuff is like stupid, but it's also fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I do think, yeah. I mean, when you start to expand the world and it just like doesn't, you don't really care about like oil contracts in Nigeria yeah. or whatever, whatever, then it, I think it becomes a little of a chore. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, everybody has their own you know, interest in, in books or stories, then, and, and that's totally fine. I just, I'm just explaining my opinion on it or my, you know, connection to it. Um, but yeah. So did you like reading it? I mean, just, I thought it was very, it was, you know, it's probably like the, the beach read for like a certain kind of person who just wants mm-hmm. to read about like a crazy, like government. Yeah. I think it's more of a premise thing where it's like, okay, this is a cool premise. Yeah. Well, it's not unlike where the crawdad's saying, where it's like, there's mm-hmm. a romance, but this person is different in this way. Yeah. 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 And like, okay, well, you know, a lot of people love each other, but not 
this person yeah, you know yeah. what i mean and so yeah. like oh sure like a lot of people do you know ops and covert covert ops whatever mm-hmm. uh but not in this way yeah. so that i i think it's a i don't know it's it's like a very premise forward book that is empty in a lot of other ways mm-hmm. and so i thought it was i thought it was in like a very red meat way mm-hmm. like or like a very like you know 20 grams of sugar way enjoyable <laughs> mm. and then like you have a tummy ache when you're done because yeah, yeah. you ate too much ice cream but you go back for the second book because yeah but you're like oh, so but the ice cream was good though right <laughs> yeah that's sort of how i okay that's my metaphor for this it was like, like eating it. like really good ice cream and then uh an hour later trying to swim and just being like <laughs> oh no cramp <laughs> yeah that's how i felt and you you liked it a little bit less yeah, I think we both rated it three on Goodreads. Um, I need half stars, man. This, I know. I think it's probably a two five. Letterbox did it right. Yeah. So, I I was pretty harsh on it, like just now. But I will say it was like still enjoyable. Like it's still yeah. enjoyable to read. It's easy to read. It's not difficult, really. Um, I I enjoyed the first half of it a lot. I thought, okay, this is a cool story. Like we're getting places, and then. Once I realize, okay, like the same thing keeps happening over and over again. Like all these teams and all these guys try to get him, and he's able to get away. Like it's just sort of a, I don't know that that kind of thing. Like where the same thing happens over and over, just like immediately bores me. So I think that was just my sort of, the second half of the book was just much more difficult um, for me than the first half. So the beginning was interesting when they set up the world and all that. I thought the the plane sequence was actually pretty good. Yeah, that was. I know. I don't know why I talked about the well first because the plane sequence is really cool when everyone's like has their mic like whatever their mics on mm-hmm. and they're communicating to each other on a different channel than he's on yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's like oh oh something's happening mm-hmm. he picks up on their body language and they basically like fight on a plane and yeah. they crash it yeah uh and, it, and he survives of course <laughs> um i don't know i wonder if you get a dip, if you get more out of this if you were like if you were ex-military or if you've read more of these mm-hmm. kinds of books like is this more of like a best in class version of this story i wonder because i do know like a lot of times military people who read stuff like this like they're like this is like would never happen kind of thing yeah um so maybe i don't know we'll we'll circle back (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so have any other thoughts anything else you want to mention about the book before we move on no, just sort of the idea that I wish you had more personality, the gray man. Like a lot of times these books are and movies are better when the the lead is charismatic is, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it, in this one I felt like it was more realistic that he was just sort of this like empty person who doesn't have connections because that's the kind of person that should be the gray man. Mm-hmm. Um but like, do you want to watch two hours of that guy doing stuff? Probably not. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Um, I wonder if the gray man is really just about his personality. Really muted. I, I thought we were not doing jokes anymore. Sorry. <laughs> we're we're going to move on from this and uh, take a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery men you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else? The gray men. Lloyd. They got an urgent locate and destroy. That could be fun. The man's got some street cred. 
hurt? I mean, my ego's a little bruised. I have something they really want. What's your gut? It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash dash. It just, it leans Lloyd. so big on your boy's head that even his most loyal allies won't hesitate to drop a dime. Every grade-A wet team from here to Rachel Day will be vying for the prestige of killing the infamous Sierra Six. I can kill anybody. And we are back. Thank you for listening to the trailer for The Gray Man, sponsored by Netflix, obviously. So, Eric, are you going to learn us something today? Yes. So, I'm not qualified to talk about any of the military or CIA-focused stuff here. Although we do actually live fairly close to Langley, CIA headquarters. You're going to put that out like that? Can you delete that, actually? (laughs) Uh, We shouldn't let people know that. Um, Today, I'm actually going to talk to you about oil which is a all right a, a strategic resource mm-hmm. um so actually based on the number of barrels of oil produced per day nigeria the country whose oil rights spur the plot of this novel is the 14th largest oil producing nation oh top five u.s russia saudi arabia canada and iraq shout out um so also shout out to oil uh making things worse for for as long as it's been around so shout out oil good job Good job to all of you out there. For using it. <laughs> burning it and... Uh, Killing the earth. Drinking it. I don't know. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, because I, I was thinking that while reading the book, I was like, there's a lot. They care a lot about these, like, oil rights. Mm-hmm. How how large of a uh, producer is Nigeria? 14. So, 14 is pretty good. Yeah. I feel like... I've, I mean, there's... How many nations there were? Like, 200 or 300 or something like that? I think there's, like, 196 that are a part of the UN. Oh, is that right? So it's like even that. more probably crazy. We also um, live close to. Uh, we actually don't live close to the UN. That's in that's in New York, but for, s- yeah, as students of the world, we have to know these things. <laughs> so thank you uh, for teaching us about oil, um, and Nigeria's ranking for producing it. So let's get into the movie. Are we ready? Yeah. How do you? How would you describe this adaptation? Literal, loose, or reimagined? I think it's probably on the matrix of these it's probably between loose and reimagined but i i think i'm hitting a reimagined button on this are you okay you're getting all the way over there i think it's different enough i think there's an enough new people and the structures of power are different enough Mm -hmm. that it is i believe reimagined okay let's get into it do you think it's loose what do you think i was gonna so i was gonna lean on loose i was like in between loose and reimagined but i was like i think it's probably still enough like still close enough right a lot of the same things happen i guess that's fair uh but i i could see how you go reimagine because there are like you know a lot of differences like we're going to get into here maybe yeah that's a good point maybe if the protagonist name changed that should be an automatic reimagine for sure 
You know, like people that go from Chris to Chris and just spell it with a K instead of a C. We're not rehashing us. That's enough of a, a change. Yeah, so maybe it's more of a loose. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I could go. I could be persuaded to go reimagine. Maybe we need to have like a literal loose, loosey-goosey and then reimagine. It's, it's also like about the tone of the movie and the story. Yes. Which I think that is like a huge factor in like the difference between the book. Yeah, this is movie. way more of like a candy-coated yeah. action movie. Super stylish, like a lot funnier i mean there are funny moments in the book too but like i feel like there's it's more of a comedic feel to it it's more yeah. light um than i think the book is but also dark at times with all of the shootouts yeah but you know people but it's like it's like time. fake violence you know you just yeah. know it's like it's not real yeah it's almost like so violent that it's obviously not real rather than being like tactically violent it's certainly one way to look at it so are you so are you <laughs> have i persuaded you or are you sticking to reimagine no you persuaded me okay i'm going loose. loose yeah so let's get into the differences here um one of the main ones was uh court gentry's or court gentry's backstory so in the book his dad he grows up uh in tallahassee florida and his dad like runs a swat training like boot camp sort of thing um for professionals um and he grows up with that and like in that environment and sort of like partakes in it as he grows up uh, and obviously that's sort of how he becomes the great man, sort of like this super specialized, you know, officer, whatever. Um, and then in the movie court's father is actually incredibly abusive towards court. Uh, there was no mention of him running the SWAT training camp. I, there's no real mention of what he does as a, as like a occupation or profession, I believe. No. Um, and so, Eventually, it's revealed that Court actually uh, comes to a breaking point and murders his father, and that's how he ends up in jail. So that was another difference. He began began the movie in jail, whereas he was—I don't think he was ever in jail in the book, at least as far as it could be revealed in later books that he was in jail, but not in the first one. So, you want to talk unpack this a little bit? Yeah. So it seems sort of like they just flip around the book in the movie in the name of some good old fashioned red, white, and blue father, son trauma. <laughs> uh, we've talked about trauma before as this sort of like plot mechanation that is very in fashion these days in vogue these days where people are just like, I am this way because of my trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of the be all end all of it. it mm-hmm. To me, the movie is like, it kind of does the character a bit of a disservice because it makes more sense for this person to be like training in the art of killing since they were 14, 16, Mm -hmm. whatever, like a teenager Mm -hmm. that would, you would want that person because that person knows how to do everything. And they've been doing it for so long that it just is like their way of life. That's a good point. Cause it's also like, how did he, how did court acquire all these skills then? He he he, didn't, he murdered his father, but that doesn't mean that he's this, world-class assassin now yeah so he goes to jail and i think it's like 1994 or 1995 according to like the title card in the movie and 2003 um donald fitzroy who we'll talk about in a second basically like picks him up and is like you need to be part of the sierra program yeah because you're perfect and all and then it's like okay maybe he is perfect and then it's revealed later that all he did to get in prison was kill his dad yeah it was incredibly abusive there's just a lot of i mean there's a lot of people that kill other people I don't know how that makes him special to, <laughs> enough to be in this Sierra Six program, which is kind of like the 007 program, I yeah, suppose, yeah, yeah. or the uh, what Treadstone program. This could be quite dangerous, actually. If there are like kids out there who are watching this movie and they're like, "Oh my god, that's all I have to do to get recruited by the CIA," boom. No, just kidding. Well, I'm just. This is just. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. It's it, the reason he gives is like, 
having criminals gives him more control and they don't have yeah. families mm-hmm. so there's nothing that they can like lose mm-hmm. but then immediately like Fitzroy becomes his family so it's like okay well yeah. that goes out of the window right if you mm-hmm. get connected to anybody then you're weak right. so it's you know the purpose of that is immediately failed mm-hmm. I don't know it just is like the movie at the end when the father son stuff sort of comes to a narrative head is kind of like I've been bullied a lot as a kid and now I'm finally going to fight back at my bully Lloyd because when he's getting like drowned in the pool of water he has flashbacks to his father like doing that to him in the bathtub yeah 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 I was like I mean maybe it's more like uh humanizing this idea uh-huh. of like fathers and sons having trouble and that's why he became who he is this is like this reminds me of Nightmare Alley with Bradley Cooper and his father yeah the first scene where he burns him yeah uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really need this mm-hmm. in the movie version. And in fact, I think a lot of the like flashbacks were total wastes of time. Yeah, unnecessary. Uh, I don't know. And I think it it made it it made him less likely to become the gray man, in my opinion. Really? Just like, why would this guy? It's yeah. just all he did is use a gun once. Yeah. And then, of course, you can train him, but like, right. why? Yeah. What about him is special? He's not a special guy, except yeah. for the fact that he is a special guy because right, he's right. the gray man, the titular character in a Netflix movie. I guess there is one um, point of the abuse that like sort of serves his serves him now is the uh, high pain tolerance. Because there's a scene where he's like, I think he's stinging him with a cigarette. I forget yeah. what they call him. Yeah, he used cigarette to lighter. Cars. Yeah. Um, where he's just like burning him with it. Yeah on his arm or something and he's like you got to be tough like you got to like put out the pain whatever he's like (laughs) you know obviously it's like horrible parenting right (laughs) but um i guess that's one aspect of the abuse that's sort of like you could attribute to oh this is why he's like so good like he can get shot and stabbed and it doesn't bother him now it wasn't that all of his sierra training that helped him figure that out i'm sure they didn't stab him in the training for in the sierra training yeah i don't know i mean to me it's just like it's not the backstory of like james bond yeah you know i feel like the backstory maybe it could be would be is interesting right it's like oh he grew up in this environment like let's see that like we should have a young court in that environment being like you know the best running running these swat programs with these like you know professionals right um and see how that develops. That would have been a cool, I think that would have been a cooler way to do it, but yeah. 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 So let's get into Fitzroy. So Fitzroy um in the book is uh a British old British guy um who runs security for firm for um just big corporations and and is hooked up with uh Court Gentry um as one of his main guys to do like sort of secret uh yeah jobs for them fitzroy is his handler is his handler so he tells him like when and where and what Mm -hmm, kind of thing to do yeah yeah and then in the movie uh fitzroy is an american played by bill bob thornton and he's ex-cia um agent american obviously and then he actually creates a cr program um so his ties to the government he's not associated with any corporations um so yeah so is this difference what does it mean to you uh so and we should also mention that he has a family in both right oh, and true. in um in the movie he just has a niece and in the in the book he has a son a daughter-in-law, a daughter-in-law and two grandkids yeah um and so one of the grandkids just becomes the niece in the book in the movie sorry mm-hmm. so for me this is like the, the big difference is that 
we are now talking about like American systems of power. We sort of moved we sort of moved the book from Europe to the United States. So if we're talking about the United States, the the agency that we have to talk about is the CIA. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about systems of power over and if the if one of the themes of our story is like systems of power abusing their power, mm-hmm. uh I think the person responsible has to be a part of the system of power. Right. So I think for just like the sake of narrative cleanliness and also for the most amount of like thematic zhuzh, he... How do you spell that? Zhuzh. Uh, zhuzh. <laughs> um, I think he... I think Fitzroy just has to be part of the system and not only mm-hmm. is he part of the system, he's sort of like the genesis of Sierra and the gray man and all of the stuff that like trickled down from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, he's also like the good guy in a way. And so you're able to, as like the grandfather of what we're seeing, you can see that there were people that were trying to do good things with this power. And there are other people who are trying to do bad things with this power. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of like the foil to the bad things that are occurring. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's a guy who was part of the system and did things the appropriate way. Yeah. So it's, you think about like the angel or the devil on your shoulder, Fitzroy would probably be the angel. For sure. For sure. And he is, uh, I think they probably build up his relationship to the gray man a bit more here. He's like, I was, you know, it's very clear that he was his father figure, mm-hmm. even though court also had a father figure whose trauma like really messes with him mm-hmm. over the course of the movie. So how many father <laughs> figures do does one character he's a good have? Father figure, yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, so for the, I think he's just there's there's humanity and also like political commentary within mm-hmm. this character more so than there is in the book. Yeah, I would agree. I also want to talk about the betrayal that Fitz, Fitzroy plays um, in both the the book and the film, and how they're different. So. In the book, so they basically happen at the same time in both stories where um, basically what happens is Lloyd approaches Fitzroy and is like, hey, uh, I need you to kill your handler. Or I mean, I'm sorry, I need you to kill Court Gentry. Um, and if you don't, I'm going to kill your family. Essentially, that's what happens in both. What, what the difference is, is that uh, Court, I'm sorry, uh, Fitzroy in the book plays along with this he like he you know tells his team to kill him in when they're in the aircraft carrier mm-hmm. um or the big plane whatever it's called and uh obviously that fails and he sort of he sort of just goes along with it um and doesn't admit it but in the movie he admits it right away yeah if you notice for billy bob thornton and i thought that's sort of an interesting difference here um and i wonder like, because in the book, that was an interesting aspect of, like, he, you know, Court doesn't know that his, you know, father figure is betraying him and he's basically setting him up. You know, he obviously do- he regrets what he's doing, but he's doing it um, and he's continuing to do it. Does that does that sort of resonate with you at all? Or did that, like, lack of sort of continuing to betray him sort of change his character a bit for you? Yes, because I think in the in, it's more effective in the book in an interesting way mm-hmm. because it keeps him in play longer. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like 
you understand why court would want to help this guy yeah whereas in the book he's or in the movie he sort of flips right away and it's just sort of like i don't know you, it loses some of its like power the fact that he's not just like dragging court along yeah because court in the book is alone and needs a lot of help yeah and so he he can't figure out right away that uh fitzroy is putting him on because mm-hmm. that would eliminate a lot of the places he would go yeah sort of thing so we have to keep the charade up so that he can go from place to place to place to place where we can follow him and know where he's going to be mm-hmm. and then lloyd can like put hits out in these various yeah. places and i think court eventually finds out because after like the third or fourth time of him getting ambushed he's like okay clearly it's like there's this geneva house where only he and fitzroy know about it yeah that's and right. someone's there and he's like okay, okay. well then yeah. fitzroy is compromised yeah yeah um so i actually really like that part of the book i kind of wish they'd kept that in here but it obviously would have um probably added more time to the plot and i don't know it kind of it also diminishes fitzroy's character a bit yeah does it not he's kind of thrown away you can just throw him away pretty mm-hmm. easily yeah which like, they sort of do they just lock him away and he comes back in like half an hour yeah right to get his um, fingernails ripped off <laughs> oh that was a tough scene that actually. was gross <laughs> um so i just want to briefly mention that um to the story so moving on here to carmichael in the cia and sort of like you mentioned their role is in this overarching theme of um you know, powers abusing their power, essentially. Um, so Carmichael uh, actually does not exist in the book, um, but sort of his role is played by the Laurent group and then the Nigerian president, Abu Abu Baker. Um, in the movie, uh, he is like, I can't remember the exact quote that he has, but he's like the youngest or quickest to ever become CA director in history, whatever. Um, and he's sort of... Um, He's very tight with the villain, uh, Lloyd Hansen. Yeah. So they used to actually go to school together at Harvard, uh, and they were in the program together at the CIA, and obviously Lloyd turned bad because he had no moral compass, but they still keep in contact, and they still sort of help each other out when they can. So apparently, um, uh, Carmichael has been canoodling uh, with um, some illegal activities, Um and th- so this is basically the motivation for him to get this medallion uh, hard drive, basically, yeah, a file from CR4, who CR6, Ryan Gosling's character, Court, kills in the first scene, basically. Um, so the motivation changes for this character, and it sort of adds to what you said earlier about this overarching theme of... Um, you know, big organizations abusing their power. Yeah. Carmichael is kind of becomes the new Fitzroy. Like Fitzroy gets either retired or forced out. And then Carmichael comes in and is like, I don't like what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end the Sierra program. Um, but then it's you revealed later that Sierra four has this incriminating information and he's sort of, it's a MacGuffin. Like this movie has a MacGuffin, which mm-hmm. is this hard drive that everybody wants that Ryan Gosling gets that he has to protect and people come for it. Explain to the people what a MacGuffin is. MacGuffin is just a, an object that people want okay. in movies. Hmm. I think there's a, a, I think it's a Hitchcock movie where there's literally something called a MacGuffin and it's sort of like everything from then on has been called MacGuffin. Interesting. Okay. So if it's like a thing that people are wanting for and like it drives the plot, that's a MacGuffin. Mm, okay. Um, I could have learned you that today. He could have. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So basically like, Carmichael, because we are staying within the agency, we need the big bad to be a part of the agency. 
because he is somebody who in in whose orbit everybody has to like revolve mm-hmm. so yeah. like sierra six works for the cia any and all other characters that are in this movie like lloyd is a contractor of the cia all these people are tied to him because they sort of have to be mm-hmm. he is the powerful one who is also the one that could fall the furthest if this you know MacGuffin, which has incriminating information is revealed mm-hmm. so i think you know and also he's a he's the like, as we mentioned the flip side of fitzroy he's he's the bad one right so i don't know he's he's just they need they needed a new puppet master that could fit into this like u.s specific world um and you know he's the amalgamation of a bunch of different like important folks from the book but ultimately he just is like the one guy that is the baddie it also shifts the um like the puppet master like you said from this president of nigeria to this american cia director is there any like real reason for that is that like do you have any thoughts on that i mean we both talked about the book and how it's like a little convoluted all Mm -hmm. of these different like pieces moving around so it might just be like for the sake of clean Mm. unconfusing narrative yeah like hey you know what i need back is this item yeah and you know what you know who has it sierra six you know who needs to die sierra six but um i don't know yeah, the book is a bit vague with like sort of why Abu Baker has so much power over Lloyd Hansen. Obviously, Lloyd Hansen works for Lawrence well, Group. He's going to be killed if he well if so, he doesn't deliver cor- uh, whatever the Gray Man Court. By, I thought they were going to just like lose a contract or something. Like it's yeah, a massive contract, but yes. Yeah, so they were going to lose the contract, and then when the contract gets lost, he was, it was gonna kill him. they were going to kill him. Oh, okay. So he was trying to save his own neck by getting court killed. Gotcha. To appease the Nigerians. Okay. So in this movie, Ryan Gosling doesn't really even need to be killed, right? They just need the MacGuffin. Yeah, right. If they get the MacGuffin, then they win. Yeah. But he can, he doesn't necessarily need to be killed. Right, and right. you don't have to kill Lloyd because Ryan Gosling escapes. You but, just need the thing. Right. But Chris Evans is bloodthirsty, so he wants to kill him. Yeah. So. And I know that's another good point that like Carmichael works with Lloyd, who is sort of like, Again, like the evil version of Sierra Six. Yeah. Right, who is right. like this person who's been trained to do all these bad things, but doesn't really have the moral compass of... To do them for the right way, right reasons. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a, the, the early scene where he's supposed to kill Sierra Four. He's got the shot lined up and doesn't take it because there's a kid who's sort of in the line of fire. Yeah. And so if I don't, if you're probably not versed in the book, you probably don't know why he doesn't take... I mean, it's a kid, I guess of course Maybe you yeah, don't no, want to shoot would. a kid right right but when i saw that i was like okay this is his like moral thing yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like oh i can't have a kid as collateral damage yeah which is you know obviously obviously right <laughs> right um <laughs> yeah so carmichael was certainly an interesting character um certainly played decently well by Rene jean page um he had a couple he was i don't know he was a bit expressive and he <sighs> actually laughed out loud I lolled when he threw his coffee. Yeah, <laughs> hit the uh, uh, like, like the glass. Yeah, whatever it was in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you hear just like his soft thud on the other end. Yeah, he's not the most interesting though. Be- no. And I think the plot is—it's one of those things where it's like he's the guy that's on the phone and is like yelling, "Get it done!" and yeah. like hangs up. Yeah. And the other person's like, "Oh," and then they're like, "Oh, he hung mm-hmm. up on me." And he does that like four or five times yeah. where the scene kind of like cuts away from him really fast. And the people that he's talking to, like don't really understand what he's saying. And he's like, 
just do it. Do, yeah. Like, don't and it just it. moves immediately from him. Yeah. So it's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of silly. Yeah. But he's the one that has the power. And so, therefore, he must be uh, listened to. Listened to. Yeah. Obeyed. Yeah. Um, so let's get into Lloyd. So this is Chris Evans' character in the movie. So in the book, he's actually a lawyer for Laurent Group, uh, but he's still ex-CIA. And we just mentioned, like, sort of his motivations for trying to kill Court Gentry. In in the movie, he's trying to obtain this MacGuffin, like Eric said, um, by basically because he's buddies with uh, Carmichael, yeah. essentially. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sure he's going to pay him lots of money and blah blah blah. But that's really the only motivation for him, sort of tr- wanting to to get the uh, go after Court and get the get the item. Um, so, and he's also a torturer. He's like a kind of a psychopath in definite in the movie they sort of elevated his character uh quite a bit actually from being just a lawyer who just sort of directs things and yells at people to being this like sadistic um obviously still no moral compass um individual who seems to enjoy uh killing people or torturing them yeah the first scene we get to see of him he's torturing an individual uh when he gets on the phone with carmichael and then as well oh, he's yeah. doing that he's doing he does it to billy bob thornton's character by by taking pliers and pulling off uh a couple of couple of fingernails um but yeah so so what do you think this this difference does um for the story how'd you feel about it i i liked it uh i thought chris chris Evans was really good really funny really kind of unhinged which is exactly what this movie wanted him to be mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned in the book version, like I wanted this guy to get out from behind his desk and this movie did Mm. that for me, which is like, there's already a puppet master. Let's just have one puppet master and let's have the puppet he controls, like sort of run the show as the general, Mm. but then like, you know, he'll put on his, he'll tie his bootstraps, get his Glock and Mm -hmm. he'll like enter the battle at a certain point and he becomes the like one to kill six or the one to get the thing from six so that that really worked for me um he's i don't know the antagonist the book kind of wants to have who enters the chat sort of thing right right right. um you know because there are moments where i think when we talked about that like well sequence when court escapes from that there's a bunch of dudes including lloyd and lloyd gets to jump on him they like fight they go outside I know a new character shows up we'll talk about her in a second to help court escape that situation. Mm-hmm. And then in the eventual Prague shootout where there's like a million people trying to get court who's tied to a park bench, which is like kind of cool. Also kind of silly mm-hmm. where he's just yelling like, how hard is it to shoot somebody? I was like, he's, I don't know, dude, you were in the last like fight. Why, yeah, yeah. why couldn't you just be in this fight? <laughs> uh, I know you're going to be in the That's next true. fight. So like, get out there dude yeah um i know he was in croatia in the safe house but you know yeah. it's not that far from prague i'm pretty sure yeah. you get it pretty so, quickly yeah, euro rail all that stuff yeah um yeah i like the i like that he was the the in the battlefield antagonist the book didn't have i kind of assumed based on like the the few trailers and stuff or just the idea that chris evans was going to be lloyd that he might become the lone wolf assassin played by the or that that was played by the Tamil uh, actor oh. in the movie and is yeah um, Asian in the in the book. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, well, this guy is by himself and is apparently the best of all of these teams sent to kill him. Mm-hmm. Let's just make that Lloyd and let's yeah, just yeah. clean that up. And like, we don't need 
all of these different people with all of these different yeah. like things. Let's just have one guy whose motivations are very clear mm-hmm. and who's obviously working against that him. Interesting. So I sort of thought that's what they were going to do with him. Mm-hmm. Not really the case because there is that we mentioned. I think it's Tamil or Tamil. Yeah, Tamil. Um, yeah. South South Indian assassin. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Overall, my feelings of Lloyd are very much. I think the movie version gives him a a, a nice pleasant glow up that yeah. he kind of deserves. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I really enjoyed Chris Evans, honestly, uh, in this movie. That was sort of uh, what made the movie for me. Um, I don't know. He's just like so funny and so charismatic. And I don't know. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, he yells really great things. Like, you know, great lines. You want to make an omelet, you got to kill some people. Yeah. What's the other one? Um, he, there's a, he is a co worker, basically who is basically saying like this is going to be taught in schools of what not to do and then like this person calls him is like oh i'm on him whatever he's like what i done what i do cannot be taught in schools <laughs> totally push that line but yeah it's just sort of like a lot of great a lot of great one-liners he does have sort of like the 80s action movie it's like an 80s action movie part where he just gets to like say quippy things yeah and look really cool while doing it yeah 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 that's what you want i think that is what you want yeah. if you're gonna be in this movie why not um, so let's move on to Danny Miranda. So her character actually does not move, uh, exist, excuse me, in the book. Um, but she has sort of, a, there's a similar female character for a portion at the end of the book that sort of helps him along the way. It's not really that related, but sort of similar in a way. Uh, in the movie, she's a, she is a CIA operative who is actually with court uh, looking to kill CR4. Uh, in the first scene and she sort of helps him throughout the movie. She kind of realizes what's going on at a certain point with her interactions with um, Carmichael and realizes that he's, he's turned bad and she needs to really help court Gentry uh, in order to like set things right. So she sort of tags along with him and is basically like his another like guardian angel for him. Cause she sort of shows up at the key moments, um, saves him in a lot of different situations and is just like kind of badass as well. So, yeah, she's the one who uh, hits Lloyd with like a blow dart after the well sequence. Oh yeah, that, that was I forgot it was a blow dart, and he like passes out. Yeah, and then she yeah shoots six with one too. Yeah, um, that's funny. and then she drives him to Prague, um, and then she's around during various battles. She mm-hmm. has like the jump on Lloyd at the very very end, and yeah. you can take him out, and he tells her not to shoot, kind of thing. Really, I think for me, it's just like <laughs> we talked about the book and how like the sameness of just one character, like doing all these things and getting out of it and getting in more things and getting out of it. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, like how realistic is it that this one dude with all these injuries could storm this chateau and win against like 35 heavily armed guards with mm-hmm. like infrared sensors and all that. And the book is like, you know what? You're actually right. He probably can't do that. So we need to like change the ending. So to make it more realistic, yeah. which like I thought kind of sucked. Mm, Frankly, when they were like, Oh, okay. You know what? Uh, the Nigerians decided to cancel the contract 10 minutes before the deadline. Yeah. And so now all these wet teams that are here are actually just going to fight each other. Mm. Uh, and they're going to kill each other. And so when court gets here, there's actually going to be a, quite a few less uh, baddies for him to fight. And that mm. way it'll just be easier for him to get into the castle and get what he wants. Yeah, right. So that's good news for a court, right? <laughs> um, and this movie is basically just like, you know, one guy probably can't do all this yeah. facing all these people. So let's give him... She's kind of a sidekick, kind of not, because she is a CIA operate op, 
CIA operative, operative in her mm-hmm. own right. Although she gets, she's like, kind of a sidekick. She really gets like thrown around in some of these battles. Yeah, she gets beat up. Um, but you know, she's she's toughy. She's tough. Girl, so she yeah. she bounces back. But mm-hmm. you know, I think it's it's more played for like realism. Like mm. when Court gets into trouble, he needs somebody to get him out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, here's a person who realizes early on what's happening at the agency is growing disaffected with Carmichael's unsound methods. I don't know if you picked up on that. Have you seen Apocalypse Now? I have not. I There's some like a little Apocalypse Now quips in here about really? uh, methods being unsound. Oh, interesting. Which is a famous Apocalypse Now. I wouldn't know. Quote. Okay. Never seen it. Etc. Never heard of it. Etc. Have you heard that before? <laughs> the etc. Etc. I've definitely heard that. I don't know what's from that. Do you Apocalypse know what's from? Now. Is it? <laughs> is it actually <laughs> yeah okay i guess i gotta watch that tonight etc etc excuse me anyway so yeah i think she's just sort of like the helper mm-hmm. guardian angel yeah number two just like yeah. you know helping out yeah which is a, i mean that's all she sort of is so it's it's helpful i mean you know it's in service of six basically it's right? a little bit more based in reality with her helping out yeah. Like it's a little bit more believable that all this all these crazy things would happen. But she doesn't really have court being killing everyone. She doesn't really have a motivation, party. right? Other than just to help him achieve his goals. Like she doesn't she, have her own personal stuff. Well, she hates Carmichael. Like she, there's an interaction where Yeah, get out of my personal space. Yeah, there, yeah, I mean, he's basically pushing her to the edge being like if you don't do what I say, like I will push you out of this organization or I'll kill you basically. Um so her motivation is basically like she sniffs that there's something going on um, with him, with Carmichael. And she's like, um, you know, obviously doesn't like him. So she's, you know, that's sort of her motivation to set things right, to um, have the truth set free. Yeah. Okay. Which sort of gets us into the ending. Um, so in the book, Eric just mentioned that uh, the Nigerians cancel the contract. Um, Lloyd is basically screwed because uh, he doesn't have court dead on a platter for them so he is you know out of money probably gonna die soon and like you said all of the hired killers are sort of like uninterested at this point either they flee or they you know are just uninterested and eventually he's able to save the family uh court is able to save the family and um oh what was it he he's actually approached by the ceo of Lawrence group at yeah. the very end and he's like i need you to do a job for me um, setting up the gray man too yeah so basically he's he's sort of you know quote unquote agreed to do the job about to do the job and that's sort of where the gray man too will come in um and then in the movie lloyd is killed by suzanne so the woman who we mentioned is sort of like his co-worker um works for the cia um not okay with a lot of lloyd's methods really does not like him um but is there to sort of help uh, achieve the goal and um obviously knows about the cover-up and kills Lloyd um, right as he's about to kill Court. And then uh, the cover-up at the CIA and Court, Claire Escape. Talk talk to me about that. Yeah, so a, a lot happens in the last, like, 10 minutes in this movie. And it... Yeah. It's just... I don't know. It, it fast-forwards very quickly. Yeah. So, like Will was saying, Suzanne, who's a character that is just sort of, like, around. She's Carmichael's number two puts the final bullet in Lloyd. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's intuited that she's looking for leverage over Carmichael, Carmichael mm-hmm. but I don't know how killing Lloyd would help her do that. Cause she, that's like the guy that did all the things. She basically, she, she kills him. 
to save Court, and then is like, now I can use him to my leverage, and I can obtain the MacGuffin and use that against Carmichael. But then she just gives it right back to. So maybe she gets herself promoted or something. And maybe I just didn't pick up on it because he Carmichael destroys the MacGuffin, so there that's the cover up, right? Nobody knows what he did. They like there's a scene where he like smashes it into like a little green paste. Like, I thought she. Like, I thought little, she like, had wasabi. the files out at the end. Maybe she does. It was very confusing. It, yeah, maybe un- unclear. it happened very, very quickly for me. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, they put Court and Claire into a safe house in Virginia. Yes, the same safe house where uh, I, th- I believe uh, Vice President Dick Cheney lives in the end of Vice with all of his golden retrievers. Is it really? It looked like very similar. I know what you're saying. Um, he Court's in the basement. Claire is like on the upper levels. <laughs> Listen to her records. Listen to her records. Court escapes. Um, while he has escaped, uh, Carmichael yeah. and Suzanne show up. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, he escaped. <laughs> and then <laughs> it cuts God. to like him being in her bedroom, like fighting off all the people that were keeping her yeah, from he the outside all the world. People, yeah. And then yeah. he and Claire escape together to live to, you know, the fight next, another day. The sequel, yeah, I guess. Um, but I think importantly, there is a cover up that has occurred, and. It's really setting us up for the Great Man too. So where uh, Court needs to uncover the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About Carmichael's unsound methods. So, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Wait, so uh, Fitzroy does he die in the movie? I can't even remember. Now. Yeah, he sacrifices himself. To, so there, there's a raid in both. Oh, that's right. In, in raid in both, and in the movie version, um, he Fitzroy gets a grenade from court because he's shot he got shot yeah and he can't move and he can't move and so he when baddies come near him like blows himself up yeah, yeah, basically yeah. that's right and let's gives claire and court more time to escape Would what you, is chris evans's line when that happens there's he says something funny like oh he says oh you douche or something like that yeah he's he like, says a lot he, of stuff when like grenades <laughs> pop like in the yeah. first fight scene ryan gosling drops a grenade and he says ballsy yeah and like, <laughs> runs out of the way <laughs> In this, in this, when this grenade goes off with Billy Bob Thornton, he like throws one of the one of his goons yeah, like yeah. in front of it, and then like jumps <laughs> off the roof. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I like that. I like that part. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. So the ending is a little bit different, but it's certainly they both sort of set up the second or the sequel to each story. Yeah. Um, right. It's so this one I feel like has more because it's like agency focused. Mm-hmm. It's continuing that plot line, like the cover up. Uh, didn't allow you to like get resolution mm-hmm. to like the bad actions that yeah. Carmichael was taking. It's allowing him to you know operate again another day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then a lot of people know about it, so he is in a a little bit of a less safe position. But he's still in his position, so there's there's room for him to still fall in God willing, the Gray Man Two: Colon the Search for More Money. Um, <laughs> in the in the in the book, like everything is very clean. All yeah. of the main actors in that book die except for Fitzroy and his family and court gets pulled into whatever is going to be his next assignment. He has a new handler mm-hmm. in Mark Laurent and that's how the plot is going to be furthered. Yeah. Okay. It happens. So we did it. Yeah. We talked about the differences. Um, I'm going to, this podcast okay? is over now. No, I don't <laughs> think so. There's a lot of talking. It was a lot of talking. Um, this movie also pings back and forth from locations extremely fast. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. There's like a million locations. Uh, somebody, the drone budget on this movie is enormous. I was I was actually going to mention this too because it's like they have these swooping 
drone scenes where it's like it's you're kind of like almost in a plane obviously it's a drone but they go really fast like over water or like around a a castle corner you know what i mean like yeah and they were cool but they you know i liked them in the fight sequences i yeah i thought like i'd like them less when it was for b-roll of prague or whatever country yeah i don't know i, I, it was I thought cool. it was interesting it, 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 this movie just had a lot of style there was a lot going on like the first scene where the, he's in the club in bangkok or wherever it is yeah. and they're shooting fireworks and eventually they he you know him cr4 and cr6 eventually in the pit of the fireworks like it's very like very movie-esque like there's a lot of visual appeal to it the lighting is really good lighting's that great. was on my notes yeah um I don't know. It was. I thought it was a little bit too like heavy on that, like a little bit too reliant on that kind of stuff. But it's an action movie. It's meant to be a spectacle. So whatever. there's that one fight scene where one of the flashbacks that I mentioned, Court babysitting Claire mm-hmm. and how they become connected. There's a person that comes in to try to kill Claire, and they have a fight in that like Malibu looking house. Mm. From any, they show it from like outside the walls. You just see his like flashlight moving around. As yeah, he's, like, yeah, kicking yeah. This guy's ass. Oh, that's a that's a good point. I I think I noticed that as well. Like, oh, that's like clearly done for cinematic effect. Like, yeah. he would not be holding a flashlight, <laughs> like fighting somebody. Yeah, yeah, true. So, anyways, um, okay, was this adaptation successful? Uh, I actually don't think so. I think if you if you like this book, I think you probably won't find this movie satisfying. Mm. I don't think it satisfies what the book offers. Like to your point at the very beginning, like these, they're doing sort of two different things. Like the book mm-hmm. is very, uh, like military, f- much more like military focused, military mm-hmm. forward. This is much more like CIA cover ups, cover ups, but but styled. Yeah, it's it is sort of like, I mean, in a in a way, it is like American James Bond, but without the like sex you know it's yeah i would say that um it's funny i was gonna mention like you would never really see a british like a james bond where like the government is corrupt i feel like yeah i feel like i've never seen that but we as americans love stories that like play into our distrust of government right like we love stuff like that like conspiracies yeah like um i don't know if that's maybe it's just like an american cultural thing I'm not really sure. I mean, it, yeah. At least in the last like 50, 60 years. Yeah. Watergate, Iran Contra, JFK, JFK, um, WMEs. Mm-hmm. What? Weapons of mass destruction. Oh, yeah. It's like a lot of distress. W- WMDs. I think you said WMEs. Oh. That's what I was like. What oh. the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> WMDs. Yeah. I feel like there's a, and it, movies about this stuff like forever, right? Like, yeah vietnam right there's a lot of stuff where yeah that's true too uh yeah that's a good point mm. um thank you plus one for you <laughs> <laughs> what so, do you, i mean do you think this was successful or well so i was gonna say yes because it's because it um it hits all the notes of like the book in a, in a way that like you have all the same characters he does sort of all the same things he's still this crazy assassin guy who kills everybody and he saves the day. So like, if you're looking at it from that perspective, like, like, like 
I guess let me let me rephrase this. If you're if you're looking at the movie the same way you're looking at the book, whereas you're looking for the little details that is gonna make him kill all these guys and get out of these crazy situations, then the movie like does its job, right? Like it does all the same sort of things. But to your point where it is different in the fact that there are different motivations for characters and the different um sort of narratives essentially um and themes that it won't satisfy it as much so yeah i think i actually sort of agree with you um on that so plus one to you yeah and he kills because he's sad and he doesn't kill because he's a major sad macho boy. killer you sad know boy vibes yeah he's listened to a lot of 1975 <laughs> On his uh, record player, yeah, yeah. Crosley, Crosley record player, which I have right next to you. Yeah, what's up? A little seventy-five dollar Amazon purchase for <laughs> for a uh, Claire Fitzroy. Yeah, she couldn't have anything better, honestly. She I doesn't care the, that much about sound. Listen, I know? thought the actress was actually kind of good. That's like, the uh, young actress, uh, Julia Butters. She's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wait, which so, character is she? The the little girl actress that Leo has a scene with in the movie he shoots oh, where he's like the, the villain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was like, good. She was like, uh, when they, when she first meets Ryan Gosling, she's like, she gives it to him. Yeah. She gives it yeah, to him. And he's like, just taking it like, Oh, like, all right. Yeah. Um, she was good. Yeah. So I just, I had just watched once upon a time in Hollywood. So I recognize you made that her. connection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did we like the movie? Um, I've seen worse. I've seen better. I thought it was pretty mid. There, I think there's enough. <laughs> there's enough. There's enough one-liners and I think Chris Evans unhinged energy to make this a pretty enjoyable yeah. two hours in a in a Friday night on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that the, I thought the plane crash was really bad. Like I thought the CGI the looked really mm. horrible. The CGI was kind of bad in this movie, but everything else was, I thought looked good. Like the Prague sequence, I thought. I mean, it's. I mean, it's just like a million people showing up to a square with guns. Like, there's. Yeah. How, how good can that look? But like, even like the Bangkok, speak, the Bangkok sequence, mm-hmm. the um, Malibu home sequence, which I didn't think we needed, the final like showdown at the safe house in Croatia, I thought looked nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was it was stylish, even though that plane crash CGI was looked really bad. We're in, the CGI was really bad when he's running on the top of the train. Train, yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, and they put that in the fucking trailer. Like, yeah, it looked way better in the movie. Like you didn't, it didn't look as bad. The trailer looks like Not a fucking video game. Yeah, which is weird that this movie cost two hundred million dollars and it doesn't look very good. Well, they had to pay for uh, Ryan Gosling's tag horror budget <laughs> and Chris Evans' polo sweater budget. God. And his Worth fucking it. loafers. And the tight pants. Probably Gucci I think it was loafers. probably like tailored to get his pants that tight where you can see his like <laughs> hamstrings when he's running, you know? How how deep do you think those seams are? I don't think they Three exist. Inch? There's a, <laughs> one inch. There's not a number that small enough. Zero. Uh yeah, there were he was very stylish. They were both very pretty stylish, but particularly Chris Evans. So I wish this movie was an hour forty five though. Yeah, it was like two ten. Something yeah. like that. Which is with like 15 minutes a, of credits. So it was, yeah, it was a oh. long credit. Um, but I don't watch the credits. I'm, I mean, yeah. I, I don't agree. care about the below the line people. <laughs> play next. Play next movie. Yeah. Netflix. Um, yeah, I didn't really. I mean, I liked the movie. I thought, you know, we'll get into which one we liked better. But I I enjoyed Chris Evans. And I enjoyed the banter, I think, the most. And the, the funny sort of. And there were, I will say, I mean, we mentioned this before. But there are a lot of really good one-liners. Like that I, you know, I will remember and use 
uh, throughout my life, I think. Sort of like we do for The Departed and other classics. Maybe not as much, but like... Are you a 42 regular like this? You know, I actually am a 42 regular. Are you actually? So I think I'm 44. I was seen. You're 40, 44? Yeah, what's so. up? Maybe I'm a 46. I doubt it. <laughs> You're 46? I don't know. Here. I actually was looking at my suits earlier to really? see, and I couldn't tell. I don't know where it is. On <laughs> we, the should, we should have wore 42 regular suits. I actually was thinking about doing that, and then I was like, it's too hot. <laughs> to just it's fucking, it's the hottest shit today. It's like 100 degrees. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, hot takes. Uh, I'll go first. This is Chris Evans's best performance since not another teen movie. Um, for those who don't know, he was the jock in that movie, and he did a great job. One of his first like feature film roles. Was that like two thousand? Two thousand one. Wow. Uh, He's been in the game for a while, two decades. Yeah, Fantastic Four, yep. original, cellular, Kim Basinger. <laughs> don't forget, dude. People don't forget. I don't think I've seen that <laughs> film. I own that DVD. Bring it over next time. I think I threw it away. Uh, <laughs> but I used to own You it. could have given that to like a, a used... They didn't want it. Used... I don't <laughs> they know. Didn't want a blockbuster. <laughs> fill, up yeah. their, fill up their shelves. Oh, my God. Uh, you're not a big Marvel guy, so you don't... Correct. Have you seen any of the Captain Americas or the nope. these Avengers? Uh, Probably not. I think I've only seen the first Avengers. How do you like conversate with people like without having seen Marvel? If somebody mentions the Avengers, I just walk away. Okay. Yeah. So I actually don't talk to people really. I just really talk to you. That's really about it. I've seen all of them, but I'm able yeah. to have conversations about other things. <laughs> so I'm, I contain multitudes. Congratulations. Uh, I don't know. He's pretty good as uh, Captain America, but it's also, you know, Captain America. It's not a human being. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. It's just a... Not a killing machine. Yeah. Uh, okay. My hot take is that I'm glad I visited Prague in 2019 before the film crew here destroyed the entire city and <laughs> left it to be overrun by <laughs> idiot tourists in, the, in its aftermath. Yeah. They really destroyed everything, especially that square. Uh, and then that one house, that really beautiful house on the corner there. Yeah. Just totally blew it up. Yeah. But Prague is, I think in right now more than it's ever been. Yeah, for sure. I think people are looking for, this is a little ends tourism corner here. They're looking for the like non Rome Paris places, the non like Italian coast to go. I think Prague is Prague was Prague was really cool because it's mm-hmm. been untouched. It was like untouched in World War II, so oh, it's still yeah. got like all the old architecture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Not rebuilt like some other cities. I just think Prague is like a kind of a mainstream destination, and I think a lot of people who live there are pretty mainstream. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> Prague now, you know, when when he moved there, it was it was like underground. Now it's like, yeah, everyone knows about it. That's probably true. I think what's next is like Albania or like definitely like Estonia. Slo- yeah. Slovenia. Some of the vein. The we got to wait for Russia to chill out before that happens. Probably. That's just a little far East. Yeah. But okay. Move your book. You go. I'm going movie. Uh, I think I w- went into this ready to like convince myself that the book was better, but I think the movie was just way more enjoyable. Like funny stylish yeah cool i have no problem i didn't feel bad about watching that movie at me all. neither yeah no. i had a great friday night it's great yeah i also chose a movie for reasons for reasons stated uh final. this is is this like the one of the first times you've been aligned in a while i can't remember oh you mean yeah because i fired up my xbox what are you talking about no aligned. like aligned on movie and book oh oh aligned <laughs> um yeah probably i don't know i, I have like to go back different. and check a while yeah um we'll crunch numbers yeah well <laughs> we'll let the people know 
Uh, what are you going to remember most? 2022 as the summer of the sweater polo. It's great. I mean, they're great. It's too hot to yeah, wear one, though, good. I think. I need to try one on to see how hot it would be. Because like, I feel like it if I wore one... pretty light. It didn't seem like that it would be that hot. Yeah. He's running around. Yeah. Doing things. I need, I need a sweater polo. There you go. So I got to look at H&M. Some of these like cheaper stores. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Find a dupe, you know. We could, you know, we could reach out and see if, you know, we get some advertising. You know, they'll probably say yes. I would imagine. Just plug it. Just make a video podcast. <laughs> Just wear a sweater vest, sweater polo. My final thought is uh, Lloyd wearing loafers uh, the whole movie. So I think both of our final thoughts are very much fashion themed. Uh, Chris Evans around. looks great. I don't yeah, know. Chris Evans, yeah. That's, what else needs to be said? He's got the hair. He's Oh, he's got the hair. He's got the stash. He's got the look. Do you like you like his look better or Ryan Gosling's look better in that movie? Um, I mean, you you like a beard, right? So yeah, I like Ryan Gosling's look better. Like I would never, I don't think I would ever get that haircut. I don't think I could ever pull off that haircut and the mustache. Yeah, Chris Evans mustache haircut combo. I mean, I think it works. It's it just works on some people. It just doesn't work on most people. I think. Like you have to be, you have to be tall, skinny, and good looking for that to look. I feel like you Chris can't Evans be like. Yeah, you can't be like short and fat. I don't know how the sweater polos <laughs> wear. You know what I mean? Listen to me as I think it like I know anything about fashion. <laughs> I was wearing a, a t-shirt and uh, <laughs> and shorts and shorts. Well, um, and, and a, a Patagonia hat. hat. Yeah, but don't say that. Don't People gotta know I'm mainstream. You say that. <laughs> That's like the prog. The prog of hats. <laughs> the prog of hats. Yeah. Um. Cool. Anything else? Any shout outs? just the fashion <laughs> channel fashion yeah. for doing it doing this thing um well cool thank you guys for listening if you made it this far um we're gonna sign off here make sure to check out our most recent episode where the crawdads sing uh available wherever you listen to podcasts and then keep an eye out for our next episode which eric do you want to mention it bullet train sorry brad pitt yep Sandra, it's a, Sandra Bullock. A lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people are in it. I think it's a it's a Japanese novel originally, so it might be more difficult to find because I don't think it's out there out there like this book was. But um, how's your Japanese? Not great. Okay, <laughs> I gotta work on it. I'm definitely definitely going movie. Though, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> but if you can't find it, be sure to read it uh, and then watch the movie when it comes out. I think in early August. Uh, we're looking forward to that one. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye.